0: I've got a story, I've got a story, I've got story.
1: A regular read of the latest LGBT+, plus trends, TV, and the ever-expanding world of drag. Hello there, I'm the Velvet Snatch, and welcome to Season 2 of Girl. This week, I'm joined by the spectacularly strange Thotter, Stu. What up? The wonderfully weird Zaddy Michael. Hi. The quintessentially qua Lady D. Good evening. And of course, the unescapably uncanny downtown Abbey Scott.
0: I get so uncomfortable every week with these introductions.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They just get worse. They they do, man. They really do. (laughs) And this week, I'm incredibly excited to introduce our extra special guest, star of stage and screen, winner of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 5 and comedy queen of us freaks. She's a creep. She's a weirdo. She probably doesn't belong here. It's drag royalty, Jinx Monsoon. Hello. (laughs) Hello.
2: Hello. Thank you for that intro. <laughs> I wasn't expecting I just, that. <laughs> I just have to say it's so funny, you know, um, to have the videos up and have you introduce everyone's lovely drag names. I'm assuming, and this, <laughs> and it looks like a it looks like a Fortnite gaming screen, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's everyone's beards grown in, and their glasses on, and their headphones, and it, it, you give us too much like credit. A, <laughs> we look like a Call of Duty squad more than a bunch of drag queens. <laughs>
1: where's the lie it's one of these things i'm the only actual drag queen out of us but we've all kind of evolved over the series where we've (laughs) gradually started developing these drag personas
2: that makes sense
1: (laughs) so how are things going in your little corner of the world
2: um you know things are things are uh, it's hard to say great (laughs) <laughs> you <know>? oh, yeah. <laughs> like During wa- a pandemic, I think. <laughs> I wanna say great because you know, um I'm fairly content right now. I'm I'm busy and keeping myself sane and happy and healthy. And you know, most of the people in my life are sane and happy and healthy. Um, but that is all with the caveat that um everything's still Shite, yeah, it's and... the world is still on fire, <laughs> yeah, it's still all horrible, but uh, all things considered, you know, at least it's not worse, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've jinxed it now.
1: I mean, is that you know, yeah, yeah, a yeah, of that kind
2: of wow, <laughs> I get it.
3: <laughs> How don't... many times have you heard that one?
2: <laughs> oh. I mean, oh, oh. It's, it's either you know, you've jinxed it or um hi jinx oh (laughs) that's a thing um i don't know
1: (laughs) now it's wonderful to have you here but it's that whole thing where we're all kind of going like hey how to ask stuff that you haven't been asked a million times before so you know so maybe just scream if you get here a question for the 50 millionth time i'll try to humor you yes (laughs) it's wonderful to have you on and i'm fangirling a bit because it's like i have a reputation for not backing the right horse with drag race as we've seen with UK Season 2, uh, where I now have no contestants left in the competition, um, <laughs> which is not the best. You know, we were totaling up the scores the other day, and it's like, you have no points and you can't get any points because you have no one left in the competition. So um, you're one of the three people that have won Drag Race that I was there for, and I was just like, oh, I really hope you win. Because usually it gets pipped at the post at the end, so it's wonderful <laughs> to speak to you.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you. I you know, whenever anyone says they were rooting for me or they knew I was going to win the whole time, I just say um, I I wish I wish I had known I was going to win the whole time. (laughs) It would have been a lot less stressful throughout. But um, (laughs) but yeah, it's crazy because, you know, that was nine years ago and it was such a significant point in my life and it really like changed the trajectory of, of my whole life and you know gave me the life that I thoroughly enjoy today but it also feels like a lifetime away now you know yeah. I also sometimes watch clips from my season and think who the hell is that <laughs> little <laughs> twiggy weirdo and, you know
1: <laughs> and you, and you get Fortnite gamers still bringing it up today so. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I will say you mentioned season two of Drag Race UK, or as I've been calling it, Druck. Love um... Love <laughs> oh, that. Um... Let's get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um you said all the contestants you were rooting for are gone <laughs> um can i assume that joe was on your on your list he was he
1: was he was, he was my like oh he he's strange because because like we were saying about you it's the fact of like i wanted you to win in your season but i was like oh but you won't because that's not what we, <laughs> what drag race is about and then you won and we were like this is a landmark this is great um <laughs> but what is it It was joe it was Estina. it was veronica green and it was Cherry Valentine, I think. (laughs) Don't hold me to that, I only pick them.
2: (laughs) Joe is one of my um, oldest and dearest friends. We've known each other for ages and (laughs) he was one of the first drag friends I made in the UK. And I have to say, there's just this funny occurrence of (laughs) the two people on Drag Race, that I just happened to have, um, let's say, an intimate uh, yeah. <laughs> a background oh, okay. with. Oh Both got eliminated after one episode. I mean, and then Joe came back and then got immediately eliminated again, but it might be a... Did anything happen be between curse. that? <laughs> Is that... <laughs> <laughs> that would have been Jinx on them. Yeah, I... Um, <laughs> The, the two contestants I've ever <laughs> Slept with Are <laughs> Magnolia Crawford And Joe Black, both of whom I had high hopes for And then, you know yeah. I called Joe one day and I said What is so hard? Just go on the show And win, like I did Like why Why, why do you fucking do that? That,
1: that? That's advice like paint the rest of the fucking owl
2: <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you keep screwing this up? It's it's not that difficult, Joe. <laughs> you walk into the workroom and then you win. <gasps> yeah. No, Joe's got the greatest sense of humor. I've been um, calling him and doing impressions of him on Drag Race um, just to, uh, <laughs> to bring a smile to his face because he's had the most uh, joyful experience when so many people could have taken, you know, Joe's track on Drag Race and, and been devastated by it joe just the whole time kept that chipper <laughs> that chipper persona up you know oh you want me to leave all right i'll be out i'm, I'm on my way goodbye everybody oh you want me come back well hello Roo. it's me joe i'm back i'm very happy to be oh no leave again okay all right i'll see you again later uh, have a good day <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was on by the way that was great that <laughs>
4: uncanny that's what it was it was uncanny <laughs> i just need you to spin around and stop playing on a piano now and I'll be like joe',
2: <laughs> is joe i nervous? didn't well, actually, i did not ask um joe if um if joe feels comfortable with me having shared that detail of our past but um um you know we're both we're both ethical sluts, and I think that uh, I think most people would have just assumed. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, actually,
1: before I let anyone else speak, I have a story of you, which is basically that a couple of years ago, I was oh, at Manchester dear. Pride, and you appeared on Grindr or some <laughs> dating app, and the problem is I messaged you being a fangirl, being like, oh, I love your work and stuff like that, and then, and then afterwards, I was like... Wait, he's just trying to get his end away. Uh, oh, you know, this, <laughs> this this is not the right medium for this. And then I was like, how do I unsend it? Oh, I have to, I have to buy the fucking no, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I didn't care enough to subscribe to Grinder, but you know, but I've always well, remembered like, wow, that was inappropriate.
2: <laughs> no, I get lots of people. Um, you know, my rule with Grinder is if if people are are kind and respectful. You know, that's all that's all that matters. So I, I try to say hello back to anyone who has kind words for me. And sometimes I just miss messages because tour life is is difficult at times. And sometimes I don't see things until weeks later. And I've definitely had the occasional person on Grinder like um write me just to say you know big fan or or, love your work and then i don't respond because i don't see the message um a week later i get like a huge rant about how i'm i'm not as nice as i seem on tv and i'm like wow you're putting a lot of stock into you know it's also how do you
1: how do you reply to that you kind of go Thanks.
2: You know, it's like, oh, thank you. I, I, I always say thank you for the kind words, you know. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very direct.
1: This <laughs> is
4: your wading through dick pics and arsehole pictures. You're just like,
2: oh, oh, compliment. Oh, that's a big
4: one. That's, that looks tidy. Oh, love you too. Oh. Like,
2: <laughs> I tell a place the- to compliment you though. Like, you know what I mean? Um the uh, the weirdest thing though um was getting congratulations on my um my marriage through grinder. People writing me on grinder, congrats on your wedding. <laughs> 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 I'm like this is this is 2021 everybody <laughs>
1: yeah congratulations getting married in January
2: oh yes thank you yes I married a, I married a Brit so I'm now bilingual <laughs> <laughs> That's
4: I'm, okay. Start adding use to words and you'll be it's exactly the same
1: <laughs> all, all that uh, time trolling Joe Black has paid off in the accent <laughs> department I suppose
2: Yes. No, my my partner actually thinks I'm terrible um, at British accents, which you know I'm your typical American actor who just assumes that every British dialect I, I attempt, I'm perfect at. You know, like I think I think American people think they're better at British accents than they actually are.
4: <laughs> Speaking of that, exactly. Have you ever seen that um clip of Castle? about the guy from newcastle on on castle and uh (laughs) and they've they've got him in like an interrogation room and they're trying to interview him and obviously newcastle geordie is very like are you made how are you doing blah 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 (laughs) and then they had this guy on and i swear down it was just as if someone gave him a print off of loads of geordie slang (laughs) and he just rattled (laughs) it off in this horrible irish scottish accent and he was like and then you'll go down there wait hey man and potatoes and it's just absolutely shockingly bad if you haven't seen it you need to watch it because it's fucking hilarious and it's it's so bad so
0: where does your uh, partner hail from in the uk then
2: um he was born in yorkshire york or yorkshire i i mean like (laughs) one's the capital of the other right (laughs) i i try to remember how all your shires and Westingtons (laughs) Westingtons <laughs> and all those things work, but um, he was born in York or Yorkshire, and we met um, while he was living in Manchester.
4: <laughs> okay. Does he have a proper Yorkshire yeah. accent then? Does he sound like a farmer?
2: Is no. Yorkshire? Uh, no. hey yo. um, Yorkshire? What I've noticed... <laughs> no, I mean, he actually has kind of a bougie London accent, but I have this theory that... Um, queer people from areas with very, very distinct dialects just naturally condition their own voice to sound more um, (laughs) aesthetically pleasing. Um, I'm not sure what the motivation is, but I know plenty of people from rural areas in America where they should have really thick rural accents but they they sound like they're from the city and that's just kind of a a a choice made somewhere along the way and in the uk i've met plenty like i have a friend from liverpool who doesn't sound at all like the beatles and i (laughs) i have my partner who who's you know a northerner but um sounds like uh doctor who so (laughs) <laughs> Which I guess a couple of the Doctor Whos must have been Northerners, right? But anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm getting at. He sounds posh.
0: <laughs> it's interesting because uh, well, before I moved back home and kind of settled in Newcastle, I had a, uh, a similar accent. So I it wasn't that I wasn't trying to be a Geordie because I've always been proud of being from Newcastle, but I definitely tried to, to change it. So it was a little bit more like receive pronunciation. Mm-hmm. however i then came back and my geordie accent is fully in swing <laughs> right now <laughs> so i get that
2: yeah i think i i wonder if it's because there's so much more safety for queer people in in large cities in metropolitan areas That i wonder if there's kind of like uh when you're already mentally picturing yourself in the big city maybe you that's where the um affectation begins you know i I don't know that it's like a conscious choice always to kind of like neutralize one's dialect but i do find that it's like fairly common within lgbtq plus people that they have a more you know like broad widely known dialect than maybe the um distinct (laughs) dialects that they were raised around because my partner's dialect like It's crazy, because sometimes he sounds just like your average posh British person, and then all of a sudden, some, like, Australian notes will get in there, like, I always... (laughs) I always remark at how sometimes he puts like R coloring on his words, like Ernar. And I'm like, that's not anything <laughs> from Yorkshire. Like, right? Like, no one from Yorkshire is is talking like Kath and Kim. So, where did that come from?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Could I just okay. say I'm feeling very attacked by this entire conversation?
5: Well, <laughs> uh... <laughs> I was going to say I felt speed because that was Mm-mm. but i i use the excuse that my mother was from london so that's why i don't have a particularly northern accent but um yeah i think it, it's all a little bit too too real and too too close to home for yeah. that this evening really <laughs> <laughs> but
4: you obviously like to do a lot of impressions and you like to mm mimic other people and things like that
2: so do you think that you pick up on a
4: lot of the way other people speak
2: i like to think that i do um that's what i've always believed um (laughs) i i i had a knack for phonetics and dialect work when i went to acting school and um Then I started substitute teaching at my university after I graduated and I mostly taught voice and speech and dialect work for actors. So, you know, in my little bubble, I was really, really talented at doing different dialects and accents then I actually go to the UK and start using these dialects yeah. and accents and everyone starts poking holes in them um, and my partner's like, you, you know, you you just did like eight different accents in one sentence, you know? Like you thought you were doing a spot on like a uh, Manchester dialect, but it was like eight different combinations, you know? and. And then um, I'm just terrible at Scottish. I really, really want to be good at the Scottish dialect, but I'm just absolutely shite. And (laughs) now it's, it's gotten to the point where I have to like just lean into being terrible at it rather than ever trying to be good at it. It's like Michelle Gomez playing Mary Queen of Scots. That's um, that's the only way to to describe my attempt at the Scottish I, accent. I think you
1: just you're gonna have to do what Johnny Depp does and find one good British accent and just stick with it for everything.
2: For everything, yes. <laughs> well, if there's any consolation,
0: we're right near the border of Scotland. And do you know that um, the video of the two girls who's going to sing "Sherlock" by "Sherlock," and then the man comes in and says, "Who's had a shit? Disgusting."
4: Who's had who's done a shit in the toilet? Disgusting. <laughs> There's <laughs> that mean sure. we're very close? That one? <laughs> oh, you must have seen oh. it. There's two little girls and they're like in front of the computer, like all, like a webcam like mine. And they're like I'm going to Sherloid, by Sherloid. I never... <laughs> and the mum bursts in. Who's done a shat in the toilet and they flushed? It wasn't me. It was fucking one of you. And closes the door and, like a big
1: angry Scottish mom slam. That's very good. <laughs> and, yeah. and then they went. Let's upload that. That was good.
2: <laughs> That's the video. Yeah. <laughs> we just cut lightning in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The magic of film
4: they did though
2: Hmm. so so obviously we
1: touched on it earlier like what's life been like after ruPaul's drag race
2: oh it's i was on a trajectory before i did drag race where i had just gotten a really good job as a local drag performer in seattle i had just negotiated my best deal ever working as a bar queen, you know? <laughs> and also my my out of drag acting career was starting to pick up in Seattle. So I had acted in um, Spring Awakening, was one of the big shows that kind of like broke me into the musical theater scene in Seattle. And lots of people in Seattle like will perform in shows that are being previewed before they go to Broadway and then the show will take them to Broadway. So that was my plan, you know, to like originate a character or play a character in Seattle and then have the producers love me so much that they take (laughs) me to Broadway and everything's um, perfect forever. (laughs) So that was the trajectory I was on when I did Drag Race. And now that's like, you know, that's what I do as my career is I, I do Jinx monsoon. Constantly, and then occasionally play musical theater roles, or you know, I have a handful of movie and TV experience. But I'm doing everything I did before Drag Race, just on a global level rather than a um, localized level, and that's what I've always wanted for my career. And I'm extremely happy, and I, I feel like the um, cool mom of the drag world. You know, like she's not quite, she's not quite hip and fully plugged in she has an approximate um peripheral knowledge of what's popular and essentially is just kept around for camp value but um <laughs> in in that sense i have a very solid place in my community and i feel pretty uh, accomplished and proud of that <laughs>
0: Yeah I mean
1: one thing like this is actually a question from a friend of mine who is a massive fan so shout out to my friend Kit. Uh, He wanted to ask like how was it being on Steven Universe like how did you find voice acting compared to stage acting?
2: I really love voice acting and it's actually you know something I'm trying to do more and more of and I've had um, a handful of, uh, of voiceover roles on cartoons and it's really it's like it's like non-visual drag, honestly, <laughs> you, you know, cause voice acting requires, you know, it, it, you have to construct a character using only your voice and you have to like think of everything about this character, you know, it's the same as planning a drag look, you know, <laughs> there's a head to toe transformation and then you have to just filter it through the microphone. <laughs> so it's like doing drag without having to do 2 hours of makeup and costume and I really love that. So I'm I'm hoping for more voice acting work in the future, but I've got a, a a small a small resume building already with Steven Universe and I was on an episode of the show Mighty Magiswords. I had a 3 episode arc on Bravest Warriors which was a lot of fun. And then um, most recently, I, I worked on the web series, Hell of a Boss on YouTube, written by my friend Brandon Rogers and the show's creator, Vivian Madrano, who also created Has Been Hotel. And... Um, I was director uh, directed. <laughs> I was directed by the voice actor Richard Steven Horvitz. He was the voice actor who played Invader Zim, which was such a huge part of my childhood. And then he directed me in my voice uh, voiceover work with hell of a boss. And that was that really kind of blew my mind. You know, I waited until the end of the the, the session. To say, you know, like if teenage me would know that, like someday adult me would be voice acting with Invader Zim on a Zoom call, no. <laughs> I would have flipped my shit, you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you were on Drag Race, uh, you were talking about doing stage shows and musicals, and then you were ma- you are able to produce some of your own. So you started with the Vaudevillains, is that correct? With major scales.
2: Yes, um that was a show we were doing uh since college actually. Um we we started doing those characters our junior year of college. I know college means something different in the UK, so junior year of year year 3 of university. Does that make sense? <laughs> there we go. I understood it. <laughs> yeah. It was gibberish um, before but now it makes
0: sense. <laughs> <funny>. <laughs>
2: So we started doing um, those characters, Kitty Witless and Dr. Dan Von Dandy in our original show, The Vaudevillians, which started out as just like 10 minute sketches we did in variety shows. And then, you know, when I won Drag Race, I got an offer to do an evening with Jinx Monsoon off Broadway at the Laurie Beachman Cabaret Theater um, in New York. And they wanted me to just team up with a pianist and, and and sing a collection of my favorite songs. And that was the show. And I said, um, do you have any interest in a show that's already like written and ready to go and going to be far better than An Evening with Jinx Monsoon? <laughs> and I had to sell them on it because, you know, I don't play Jinx Monsoon in the show, but it's not like audiences are like are unable to process the idea of me playing two different characters, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but um yeah then so we took the vaudevillians instead and that show ran for four months off broadway um we we went to do it for one week and it got extended for four months
1: (laughs) (laughs) was that an immediate thing or was it like every day they were like come back tomorrow come back tomorrow
2: It it was it was more like that. Yeah. It mm. was like um we were scheduled for one night and that sold out so quickly that it ended up being a, a one week engagement. And by the time we were flying to New York to do the show, they asked if we could extend it for like um two or three weeks. As it just kept selling out, we just kept adding dates and by the time we were over and done with it, it was four months later. <laughs> <laughs> and um I was a real New Yorker over here, but <laughs> um, and yeah, that kind of cemented our our place in the theater and cabaret world. And that's that's been the majority of my work since then. Is I, I create original shows, I write the scripts, and Major Scales writes the music, and um, we we marry our aesthetics together and. And then it's also, I've branched out into writing and creating stuff with my longtime friend and collaborator, Bendela Krem, Creme, and co-producing shows with Peaches Christ, many of which we've taken to the UK. So um, I really, my dream was to have a career where I married drag and theater. And that's exactly what I do. And I couldn't be more grateful for that opportunity.
3: <laughs> so you mentioned obviously working with uh, Dela. So- How long have you been friends then? Because obviously you are the Seattle sisters, famously. Um, When did that start? (laughs) When did that friendship begin?
2: Let's see. It must have been shortly after um, uni. Uh, So I think that friendship began in 2012. No, 2011. Eh, 2010. I don't know. <laughs> 2010 sounds about right. 10 or 11. Um but it started out that we very much were like forewarned of one another. Like people kept telling us beware there is another drag queen who does what you do here in Seattle. Um in the sense that we 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 write full length cabaret shows um and and put a lot of effort into the the characters that we create and so um (laughs) dale and i had the moment of having to make a conscious choice to be friends rather than rivals (laughs) (laughs) and that doesn't mean we haven't experienced some healthy competition in our in our years together but ultimately we decided early on let's be friends and work together rather than ever trying to um to take one another down (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Which is good because the chemistry you have is fantastic. Like you know, your your YouTube videos together are some of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like just, just bounce. You know, you bounce off each other, and I think that's quite a rare thing when you find like a comedy partner in that way.
2: Yeah, I think a big part of it is that Dale and I approach our work in the same way, and yet we've created pretty much opposite characters. It's a it's a trope that we've seen time and time again, and we know it works. You know, um, Bert and Ernie, Ren and Stimpy, uh, a <laughs> cat dog or whatever. <laughs> uh, whatever you want to compare us to, there's lots of examples of our dynamic. Um, and we've kind of just built off of the things that have inspired us since we were kids. It's um, it's very funny, though, because DeLa's character is like almost 100% uh, fabricated. You know, everything is uh, a unique story created for Ben de La Creme, not necessarily drawn from her IRL life, you know? <laughs> and if she takes an experience from her real life and puts it on stage, it's like processed and filtered through so much character work that it's, you know, it's very distinct from the real life experience that is the source material. Whereas I take real life experiences and plop them on stage and that's pretty much <laughs> like the end of <laughs> the end of the transformation i take stories from my life And and just tell them as Jinx Monsoon, as if they happen to Jinx, you know, (laughs) which I mean, I guess they did because we're the same person. Um, But there's very little like uh, there's very little editing. I'm, I'm really comfortable just sharing my real life experiences. So in that way, when we we collaborate, we bring things out in each other. You know, she encourages me to create a little bit more of a a story and I encourage her to bring a little bit more of her real life experiences to her work. And and you can see that in our holiday special because we both put a lot of our our real experiences into our holiday special while it is entirely camp and entirely over the top and um, very presentational and stylized. So you would say uh, Ben de la
4: like the ying to your yang. then. You kind of balance each other out in that kind of aspect then.
2: Yeah. And and the same goes for major scales and I. But um it's so funny because I guess I play the angry bitch in both um relationships, <laughs> but <laughs> but in my relationship with um major scales, I'm the angry bitch and I'm in charge. And Um, With Bendelec Cram, I'm the angry bitch because I'm not in charge, (laughs) if that makes sense. There are distinct Mm -hmm. power dynamics that occur, um, which really work for me. (laughs) Oh, she's versatile. Okay. Yeah. I'm coining the term power verse. (laughs) Love
4: that. I'm going to bring that into everyday vocabulary.
0: (laughs) There's definitely a style that you, it kind of runs throughout all of your work which tends to be kind of like that bewitched kind of um, sitcom-y, that kind of vibe. Where would you say that you draw your inspirations from for the styles of your projects that you do?
2: Um, I definitely, like, um, I'm obsessed with vintage aesthetics. I always say that Jinx Monsoon's fashion sense is 60s, 70s, and occasionally 90s basically any time but now. (laughs) Um, Matthew Anderson once referred to me as a gorgeous anachronism. And that uh, that has always stuck in my mind. Um, (laughs) So um, I think most of my inspiration comes from I Love Lucy, you know, the kind of slapstick on-the-nose, borscht belt, vaudeville style, physical comedy. And then I take kind of like the female stand-up comedians who have always inspired me, like Margaret Cho and um, Sarah Silverman, Maria Bamford and Devin Green, these these female comedians who um, just say whatever the fuck they want to say. You know, they I've just always loved the idea of presenting femininity while you curse like a sailor. I love that, that um, contrast. I like breaking down the expectations of the the feminine gender by being as foul-mouthed and filthy as I can think to be. (laughs) So I've always kind of said, if I Love Lucy was performed by a drunken slut, that's like kind of where <laughs> Jinx Monsoon <laughs> lives. <laughs> <laughs> what characterization is that? <laughs>
0: yeah. Fully inspired.
2: I, embodying. Embodying.
1: Have you been watching One uh, Division?
2: Yes. I, 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 I just finished One Division. I've absolutely loved it. And I really, you know, it's funny, you're asking, like, about my inspiration in my work and one division feels like someone is trolling me you know? <laughs> let's plop a witch in these uh, <laughs> in these antiquated scenarios and see what happens <laughs>
1: <laughs> have you been watching uh, UK drag race season 2
2: well I I've watched both of Joe's episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I watched both of Joe's episodes, and I um, watched The Snatch Game. And unfortunately, the, the, those are the only three episodes I've seen so far, um, because I have to, like, hook up my computer to my TV <laughs> to comfortably watch it. So I'm planning a day where I'm just going to binge the whole the whole season. Yeah. So, to answer your question, I'm not fully caught up, but I've seen quite a bit, and I have quite a few opinions. <laughs> <laughs> what are those opinions? Yes, Billateek one. I think Ahora is the Alyssa Edwards of the UK, and I think um, you you all have just been gifted uh, having your own Alyssa Edwards finally. So, good luck with that. Have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs>
4: So, but that's a re- that to be honest, that's a really nice comparison. I quite like Aly- Alyssa Edwards.
2: It, it was the moment when Ahora was kind of like using the the dress form to sneak over to Sister Sister's station and like was doing spy moves to get over to Sister Sister. I was like, I can't tell if you're trying trying to be funny or if or if this is just how you naturally act. And it just reminded me in that moment of Alyssa Edwards, who had no idea that she was hilarious. For years and years, she has been that person. She's been that person her whole life, and she had not one clue that she's one of the funniest people that exist, you
0: Which know? is <laughs> she's in that wig and the gun, uh, doing the, the splits and stuff, and that face mask in front of the mirror.
2: Oh, my God, that face mask I had almost forgotten. But now I remember it because it's burned into my brain.
0: <laughs> Out of the episodes that you've watched, and obviously with Joel being your number one, but obviously he's mm-hmm. no longer in it, do you have anyone that you think has the potential of winning?
2: Um, I i think... Well, I always reserve um, my my strong opinions until Snatch Game. I always feel like I need to see Snatch Game before I can really start, you know, um, calling it how I see it. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, um, from what I've seen, I have the most uh, faith in Bimini and taste. I I think Mm. it'll probably come down to Bimini and taste. That's just um, my educated guess. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) so they're your top two. V- Bimini and taste taste are my top two and then um honorable mention goes to lawrence chaining who has been say it, say um, it
3: properly do it in the scottish accent go you know you want to it's practice
2: <laughs> lawrence Chana. Lawrence Chana. <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember any of the um any of the raps from bing bang bong but i always <laughs> sing it like Sing, sang, song, ding, ding, dong, UK, hon, my name is Lawrence Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> that's as far as I get because I start cracking myself
4: up. <laughs> like an angry Mrs. Doubtfire.
3: <laughs> that's my ringtone now. I'm going to save that clip.
4: <laughs> Clipped it, saved it.
3: On yeah.
1: but you must have been watching season 13 of the u.s drag race yes have you seen the latest episode
2: yeah um which was the latest oh the latest episode was snatch game wasn't it no yeah 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 it was <laughs> yeah okay that's right um you know what's funny is the two seasons since they're airing simultaneously they keep getting like mixed up in my brain. I'll be watching season 13 being like, where's Lawrence China? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, no, I thought this was actually a great snatch game. Um, I think there was only one mental breakdown, so that's good. (laughs) And and there were a lot of really great characterizations. Um, I thought Simone was brilliant. I love, I love when, um, you know, it's always a risk to play a character that a lot, uh, a lot of people, you know, I don't know how Harriet Tubman behaved (laughs) as a human being in the world. So Simone kind of had to make up a personality for Harriet Tubman. And I thought she did great, you know? And I think those kind of risks can really pay off, you know? And her, her whole performance, that episode from start to finish, I've, found Simone to be just brilliant throughout the season and the snatch game episode was no exception. Um that said got Mick I think really you know nailed it and it was a definite deserved win as Paris Hilton. Um, it was so entertaining to watch and I thought it was um like one of those weird crazy things that both Tina Burner and Ahora both used the leg um, bit. Yeah. <laughs> in their snatch game performances, and there was no way they could have known that 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 someone did it on the other season simultaneously airing. It was just drag serendipity, you know, <laughs> like when two girls go for a death drop at the same point in the song when they're lip syncing for their lives, and all of a um, sudden yeah. everyone just <laughs> hits the ground like it's <laughs> like a bomb bomb siren just went off. <laughs>
4: Um, how did you feel about um, rosé by the way
2: oh i really loved rosés i really thought it was um quite brilliant and it really pissed me off because i was always hoping if there was ever a day that i found myself performing in a snatch game again i have a few ideas i've kicked around but one of them was to play queen elizabeth the first but do her really foul-mouthed and cockney and, um, you know, do her really, like, a working-class British bloke, but be Queen Elizabeth I, you know, in full white face and red wig and everything. So yeah, yeah. Um, now Rosé has stolen that from me for all time. <laughs> because the, the two things would be the exact same joke, you know? It would be the same joke twice, but... Um, I do hope that there will be a day where we can, as the two queens, um, riff off of each other. I hope that we can collaborate in some way with those two characters. (laughs) That would be great. I I have to say,
1: no one agrees with me, but I really love Utica as uh, Bob Ross. I thought that was the strangest (laughs) thing I've seen in a long time. But with that kind of like, this is, what am I watching? This is... Brilliant. I loved the look. It was so, it was like Tim Burton does Bob Ross.
2: (laughs) You know, I, I really love Utica. I think Utica has been, um, consistently one of my favorites, probably because I relate to that quirky weirdo. Um, but that said, you know, she has amazing design skills she is, she's just a very likable personality. So likable, in fact, that I, you know, um, overlook the whole G- Jesus thing. <laughs> That's just as a witch, you know, I, 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 I love her. I love what she said is, um, she's very bring your own God, um, which is how everyone should be, you know, just let everyone do their own thing. Uh, but that said, you know, like, every religion's a cult. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Say it how it is, don't mince your
4: words.
2: (laughs) Um, So Utica has been one of my favorites this whole season. And I, I enjoyed watching the Bob Ross thing, but I really did have a moment of like, uh-oh, I think she's having a mental breakdown. I think something <laughs> yeah. just snapped so when, when she, she started it spraying. In her mouth. It, yeah, when she sprayed oh. it in her mouth, I I thought <laughs> we've seen this once before when Max um, when Max sang "Somewhere Over the Rainbow" on yeah. the on the runway, and um, no, twice before because I think it was a similar energy to when Yara Sophia kind of um had i think she had a mental breakdown on stage as well (laughs) so so we've seen some mental breakdowns and it's one of those um it's one of those things where it's like uh I don't know, this is very entertaining, but I, I, I don't feel great about laughing at someone's mental breakdown. And then I felt better later finding out that Utica thought she did a really great job. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh, I was I was assuming she had she had snapped, but she actually was really proud. And that's pretty great.
4: <laughs> She's living her best life, just having a moment covered in <laughs> squirrels. Although, no, fair play to her though, all of, the, all of the little cards that she painted while they were doing stuff, in she just kept holding them up. I was going, oh, mm-hmm. oh, it's a real painting. The landscape, the landscape was
0: point Points, 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 I really wanted it to do well. So, as I was watching, I recognized that it wasn't good. But because I just had this, like, I want to protect her the whole way through, yeah. I found myself doing that,
2: like, ha
0: ha 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 ha, ha and trying to just laugh <laughs> along with it because I felt so bad.
2: Oh. Yeah, same. I And I also think Candy Muse did the perfect, um, there's, you know, like snatch game is something you have to prepare for. And if you have the self-awareness to know that maybe it's not your biggest strength, um, then you have to just pick a character that is almost exactly like you <laughs> or or no one's going to clock that like, no one's going to clock that you're basically just playing yourself. Dressed as a different person, I think that's a smart tactic. If if Snatch Game isn't your fort, um, which is which leads me to you know the glaring disappointment, which was uh, Elliot as as Ruma Clanahan, aka Blanche Devereaux, and I think the way I can break it down just as simply and succinctly as possible is she didn't even seem to attempt the voice. <laughs> and you just can't play Rue McClanahan with zero attempt at the 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 deep south accent you know and there was this part of me that thought does she think her Texas accent is southern enough like her natural speaking voice was southern enough so it just kind of left me feeling like honey do something <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I found, I found as well that it was like quite one dimensional because blanche is like very sexual likes her men but that's really the only thing she went for where actually there's a lot more to um a lot more to her than just the fact that she likes
2: men her vanity her hatred towards other women (laughs) there's so many there's so many avenues you could have taken um but yeah it it is one of those things like golden girls you have to be You have to be pretty headstrong in the queer community to portray the golden girls if you're if if you're not like 100 percent confident at it. But, you know, no one no one queen is good at everything. And I think that's like what we just have to we have to just like let go of wanting to critique everything and 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 pick everything apart and just accept that no one person can be good at everything, you know. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah. Go. speaking of critiques actually we've got a little bit of a game themed around critiques um oh, so sure. every episode for season two we've been playing a little game with our guest uh, to win a stew peter badge
4: <laughs> <laughs> which we have fashioned
3: in the form of a, a
1: repeater badge as you mm-hmm. can now see if you can see on, it you, on your five you pound webcam uh, that's
4: <laughs> lovely Steam, Pat. look and it comes fully with the clip and everything <laughs> i love
3: professional that professional level badge so that's if huge you, if you win <laughs> yeah you get the nice big golden one if you lose you get still a cute one but it's smaller and it's silver <laughs> So,
0: okay, you can <laughs> it. It's mic. like
3: the
1: fun what? fair, you always so- get a prize. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this week we're going to
3: play um, a game called What Offer ducks Back, because always <laughs> the around the guest. So it's going to be um, Jinx, you'll go head-to-head with Michael this week as our girl rep. What we're going to do is we're going to play a little game where you've got to guess whether the critique is a real critique from the show, or if it's one that I've just completely made up and it's fake. So I'll give you one to start with. Um, I need someone to
1: keep score. I suppose I I could keep the score if you really (laughs) wanted.
3: So Jinx, you're up first. Um, So the critique I've got is, I thought you were like a Chewbacca in drag. Is that a real critique or a fake?
2: That's a real critique. Someone said it to Roxy Andrews. They did. It was Santino. (laughs) One point to Jinx. I thought it was Santino. Should (laughs) have trusted myself. Bring him back.
3: (laughs) uh michael that outfit is basically a tutu and some tights girl yes nope made that oh, one up
4: i'm <laughs> really bad at this
2: <laughs> jinx so you think this represents a madonna look i'm gonna say it's it's real because i remember that madonna episode and the <laughs> and the travesty actually fake they didn't say that <gasps> oh, okay. jinx and the
3: madonna <laughs> episode were much worse than that that, that
2: would <laughs> be oh fast. yeah It was innocuous enough that it could have gone either way. (laughs)
3: Uh, Michael, as the Queen of Salsa, you lacked spice. Oh, no, that is a quote. I've heard that before. That is a quote. It was Rue to Linatia Sparks. Uh, Jinx, I'm not as old as you wanted to make me, bitch. I'm
2: not as old as you wanted to make me? Yep. I'm going to say... That's true. Was it Michelle talking to Sharon Needles portraying it her? It was. It was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> snatch game, <laughs> Michael. Your snatch game was a laugh, but your
3: runway was a boot. I think that is a quote as well. It's not. It's false. Oh no! Well, I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> I even read the false quote out wrong because it was originally a boot, not a, not a laugh. So. <laughs> um, Jinx. Your GG was gorgeous, but your comic timing wasn't pretty.
2: Hmm. She was gorgeous, but your comic timing wasn't pretty. I'm going to say that's fake. Nope, that was real. Oh,
3: uh, damn it. It, <laughs> it was oh, to Faramon after Snatch Game.
2: I Yeah, I couldn't remember. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Michael, on the runway you served cheesecake, but in the challenge you just served cheesy. Must be one. I've heard, I've definitely heard someone say that. If not, I felt it. <laughs> <laughs> it was fake. Um, there has been something similar said about cheesecake, but not was, that Yeah. One.
4: This yeah. is a hard challenge. What
3: the oh, fuck is no, this? All right. <laughs> uh, Jinx, last one for you. I will always remember her, Mrs. Moo. I don't know.
2: It's fake.
3: <laughs> no, it's true. Um, it was really talking about, talking about Davina De Campo. Mrs. Moo was the character she played in uh, the Downton Abbey skit. <laughs> and finally, Michael. It's just dumb, but you're dumb, and I love it.
4: No. Track record. No, it's real. No. It's real.
3: It was Brooklyn
5: Heights ah. to Boa. We Skinny were nodding. Bullshit's due. We were there <laughs> as well. We were giving you both. Me and Scott were nodding, me like, "Yes, this is true. This, this is." I'm so.
0: I'm, I have a memory of a sieve. It's crap. For the last few weeks beforehand, I've done well. Last week, I did terrible. I lost by one point. The week before. Mm-hmm. Um this one I got every single one right and I was in for a chance of getting that badge from <laughs> Demet.
1: <laughs> well, when I did it, it started off well and then it kind of just petered off, and I'm just like, oh, that's far too much like my own sex life. But um at the end of that, the scores are Michael has a shocking one point, uh, and Jinx has a delightful two points. <laughs>
3: Well done.
4: Let's try harder. I, we both Excellent. should be terribly ashamed of that outcome of that. But congratulations! <laughs> well done. The badge that people will say looks like chocolate on Twitter. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Literally, everyone on the Vixens post has been saying it looks like
3: chocolate. It's, it's not chocolate. <laughs> it's not chocolate. Just to a disclaimer really for anybody listening,
4: it. listening: it's not chocolate. Do it's not it's not. definitely not chocolate. I could make some chocolate ones, but no. <laughs>
1: I just ask um you're, you're narcoleptic right yeah because yeah, I I couldn't tell if it was like a thing for the show or if you genuinely <laughs> were and and it's rude to ask but it's like that
2: no I mean actually a lot of people have asked and I think um part of it is the way it gets edited is the way to help the audience understand it as much as possible so I've always felt like um there are moments where, you know, narcolepsy is not the way they portray it in TV and movies. There are people with narcolepsy who turn out like a light. That's a very small portion of the narcoleptic population. Hmm. And a much larger portion of the population of narcoleptic people experience narcolepsy at the level I do where it's just like intense fatigue, and you kind of slowly feel yourself being drained down until you're just napping. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but on TV, they had to kind of lean into the tropes that we are familiar with, so mm. that people are like, oh, this is like this is the way my brain understands narcolepsy. It's someone who falls asleep like that. You know? Um, so in many ways, it's like, um, you know, I, I have a lot of people who also have narcolepsy Um, who are appreciative of having seen, you know, a representation of having narcolepsy on TV. And then I also think, you know, like, there are plenty of moments where it kind of fed the stereotypes and fed the, like, the misinformation of narcolepsy and that just means there needs to be more accurate representations throughout our media so that we can understand that it's not like how it seems in Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that old Rob Schneider chestnut. <laughs> but um, I wanna know what, I've never really asked someone this, but like, what was it about watching my season that made you wonder if it was real or if it was a character choice. Because I've always kind of wondered, because I get asked this question occasionally from fans, like, was the narcolepsy just a bit for the TV show? And I'm like, what a silly bit that would be. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, like I'm going to put myself at a disadvantage because... (laughs) it's funny to watch i don't
1: know (laughs) but for for me i think it was because the way it framed it was in a comedy kind of way where it kind of said oh you're narcoleptic then it immediately cuts to you falling asleep in the interview kind of thing
2: yeah but
1: and and it was also the fact that like because obviously we don't see your life under the microscope that we did through drag race that now it doesn't get brought up that often with your you know like online stuff so we're kind of going oh is that still a thing and then obviously you're like oh was it a thing and that that's what it is for me
2: that um makes a lot of sense you know i think part of it is i have a big sense of humor about it so i think that's definitely why they framed it comically um throughout my season plus it's a drag television show you know any any chance for a laugh we're going to go for it um and then what i can say is the the environment i was in was highly stressful which exacerbates my symptoms um now that my life is set up kind of to my liking (laughs) in so many words um it's a lot easier to manage my symptoms um so it just kind of naturally comes up less in my life because it's not as intrusive as it once was you know i i Experienced symptoms starting in high school. And then all through university, my symptoms were pretty extreme because of, you know, working to pay for my apartment and putting myself through school and the rehearsals for all the shows I was participating in and then working in drag on the weekends. You know, I was kind of running myself ragged and that bled right into going on drag race. And then so (laughs) I had yet to find ways. To better manage my symptoms. And then I put myself into that high stress environment, and the symptoms were just, you know, on fire. Um, that said, the editing does do <laughs> a lot of the work. You know, I always say there's just like this moment where I'm talking about having narcolepsy, and then in a moment yeah. notice, I'm deep asleep. That is a little trick of the editing. And that's what I was talking about, is sometimes to better convey the truth, you have to kind of lean into the stylized storytelling, you know, (laughs) so that the audience can pick up on... So that the audience has, like, some kind of reference point to go, oh, I remember what narcolepsy is. I saw a movie or a TV show where a character had narcolepsy, and it was just like, what Jinx has, you know? So I think telling... Stories like that on TV is tricky because everything that happens on reality TV is both real and fake at the exact same time. So mm-hmm. that's why I kind of have these kind of mixed emotions, because I was very honest about my, my symptoms and how it affects me and um, the obstacle it made for me in Drag Race, which obviously I was able to overcome. But then it also kind of like perpetuates these ideas of you know w- what a narcoleptic person acts like or <laughs> how yeah. it affects them. So ultimately um, I focus on the people who have come up to me since Drag Race and said, I really enjoyed you being open about having narcolepsy because in the end we saw a story of a person who has this thing that is an obstacle in their life but it doesn't prevent them from living their life. Yeah. And I think that's the best message that I could have put out into the world is that lots of us suffer from little things that provide obstacles in our daily routines, but that doesn't mean we can't live the lives we've always dreamed of living.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I found it like, because we talk about like that honesty that you had in the show uh, about yourself and I found it really endearing and inspiring like how stressed you were like we talk about water off a duck's back and how sort of you know you're there with this little mantra and we're kind of going does she know she's amazing like does she know how good she is and yet you're that stressed and so it it's something i think we can apply to our own lives of just kind of going wow you can be really unsure about yourself even regardless of like how good you are
2: and you know that was something that you know this was it aired eight years ago. I filmed it almost nine years ago um, at this point. We weren't having a lot of the conversations publicly we're having today around mental health, mental illness, um, you know self care um, there are there are a lot of conversations we're having now that we weren't having as openly back then. and i I think that's something that people used to ridicule me for, and I occasionally let it get to me, you know, I would see comments online, like, how can she be the winner when she doesn't have when she lacks self confidence, you know, or how could this person win when they had to, like, boost themselves throughout the whole or, you know, talk to themselves and create a mantra to get them through the competition. And that used to kind of affect me because I was like, oh, they're right. You know, like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, am I really the winner if I'm not like a fierce, um, brash, <laughs> arrogant yeah. bitch? You know? <laughs> um, and now I kind of look back on it and I'm like, no, I'm really happy that the way I played the game was being honest about how difficult it can be sometimes because drag is hard. And being an entertainer and living in the public view is hard. And the idea that, like, any one person is so perfectly galvanized that they can just do whatever they want without any insecurity ever. That's, I mean, that's textbook narcissism, right? Like, that's not something we should be striving to be, you know? Um, So. I look back on it now like I'm pretty glad I showed vulnerability when I did. I I wouldn't tamper with how anything played out.
4: <laughs> I uh, I can't I can't believe that people would turn around to you and say was it an act or that they wouldn't <laughs> believe that you actually had narcolepsy or narcolepsy wasn't even, was a thing to begin with. I don't know um for America or anything but in the UK we have um we used to have like before like cable and satellite TV and stuff we like four big main TV channels and um, there'd always be documentaries on and all like things like that growing up and I'd constantly be like glued to the TV watching all these kind of things and um, I remember as a kid narcolepsy and Tourette's fascinated me because it was so I didn't I didn't know what they were and they were affecting people and things like that and especially Tourette's because it was so sporadic and it affected everyone so differently and I got really into watching anything that came on about them. And then when you came on Drag Race with it and they showed it, I just thought, oh, you've been a very good sport with the edit because they've done it in such a, in a comedic way. And, you've le- and like, you didn't lean into it, but you, um, you obviously didn't turn around and say, that's a horrendous edit. Don't do it like that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, um, we <clears throat> when we learn about disorders like narcolepsy or Tourette's, um or anything similar when we learn about it through popular media we're always going to be learning about the most extreme cases whereas you know there are plenty of people with Tourette's who don't shout out vulgarities you know they they might have a tick or a twitch um but you know what we know Tourette's to be is someone's screaming slurs at the top of their lungs randomly. Mm. Whereas there's lots of ways that a person can experience Tourette syndrome that doesn't get shown on television very often. And it's the same with narcolepsy. And that's why, you know, I have no problem with the edit, but when I get a chance to talk about it, I always say narcolepsy is not the way we learn about it through movies and TV. You know, it is, um, first of all, there was, very little known about narcolepsy when my first doctor told me I had it, you know, Mm. (laughs) there was just a lot unknown. It gets misdiagnosed all the time as depression because it's a chemical imbalance that really resembles depression. Um, And they have a lot of shared symptoms and ding dong. I have both. Um, (laughs) Did did you have to
1: stand up and yell bingo at any point? house?
2: So as much as like, as much as I worry sometimes, like, did I help put out more like stereotypical examples? The point is, we talk about it now, you know, and now I think, I think what always happens when something gets brought up on television for the first time, or whatever, (laughs) you know, it starts out kind of like as the biggest, most extreme version of it. And then we get to start having more nuanced conversations from there. You know, like when you see drag Queens in straight TV, they're always like a walking catchphrase, you know, (laughs) they come in, they tell a catchphrase. um, They say something really, really draggy. And then they leave. (laughs) And then Throughout the years, now that drag has been introduced to the mainstream in so many different ways, we're starting to see more representations of drag and more representations of trans people in in popular media that is nuanced and complicated and complex and not just archetypal. Um, so hopefully, if I ever get to go on reality TV again, and the conversation of my narcolepsy comes up, we'll be able to have a very nuanced conversation about it, rather than just like um, <laughs> playing circus music as I fall asleep. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <Cool>. uh, David, <laughs> and I think yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think you've you've shared a few times, kind of clearly the, the challenge that's come from the being the, within the public eye. The other stuff, kind of. But you've also described that you've found yourself in a place now where you can manage those things better what have been the things for you that have really made the difference what are some of those things for you
2: well a big thing is just making room for it in my life and since i don't i mean when i'm on tour i have a strict schedule but there's plenty of opportunities before showtime to um, take a nap. And naps are extremely important in my life and keep me going and keep me um, <laughs> put together as a fully functioning human human being. Um, but a big thing is I smoke weed before bed. And, <laughs> and um, uh, it naturally suppresses dreams and that allows me to sleep deeper and get more recuperation in my sleep. Um, So then I wake up the next day feeling less tired. So um, one of the big symptoms that I deal with is that I dream the entire time I'm asleep. And I never go into that deeper level of sleeping unless I smoke weed and kind of help myself get there. So when you dream all night long, your brain never turns off and you wake up feeling exhausted. And that's, kind of the biggest symptom I deal with is really poor quality of sleep at night. And then I wake up the next day, I just wake up tired.
5: You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that, um, that really takes its toll.
2: Yeah. And so I, I would say, you know, weed has, been a, a huge help. I'm a huge advocate for weed as medicine, not just recreation. And it's helped lots of people in my life with things from anxiety to, um, my aunt has, has had a brain tumor her whole life. And I don't know the science behind it, but she, you know, in the last handful of years have has gotten completely off of opioids and uses cannabis exclusively now to treat like a myriad of things that she has. And her brain tumor has shrank to the point that now they can only classify it as scar tissue. Like it's not a tumor anymore. And so I'm a huge advocate for weed. And I've also, as a person who's now almost two years sober from alcohol, I've been a longtime advocate for weed because I always say I can get so drunk that I black out and act like a complete monster. But if I get too stoned, the worst thing I'm going to do is order a pizza and fall asleep before it arrives. You know, (laughs) like uh, I've never blacked out while on weed. And so to me, it's amazing that there's still such a war on drugs and namely a war on weed when alcohol has consistently been a much more destructive force in my life. (laughs) Mm I, I can't equate any destructive moments weed other than you know like sometimes you you're not paying attention and a candle lights a bookcase on fire or something (laughs) not like that ever happened (laughs) you know just
4: an entire wall went up and
2: it was mine
4: um you you say you smoke weed before you go to bed to suppress dreams uh Mm -hmm. when you do like feel the fatigue coming on and you need to take a nap and you haven't smoked any weed and you're dreaming all the (laughs) way through the sleep that you get do you ever is it like a light sleep where well, you know if you're in bed and you're kind of half awake but you're not and you're kind of reacting to your dreams so you're talking and you see but you flinch and you move in are you re- like it's, is that a common occurrence
2: yeah especially when i have um i refer to it as a sleep attack but like if i'm in a stressful situation Um, And this happened a lot in school when I was like taking notes and trying really hard to stay awake to take notes while I could feel myself falling asleep. Mm. Um, The dreaming kind of picks up where the where um, reality leaves off. So lots of times I would fall asleep in class, but I would be dreaming. I'd still be hearing what was going on around (laughs) me and I'd be dreaming about what was being talked about. Oh, God. I mean, it, um, there's also a symptom called automatic behavior. So if you fall asleep doing kind of a monotonous, repetitive task, your body will go on autopilot and keep doing that task. So I would fall asleep in class taking notes, but I'd keep taking notes and then I'd wake up with the bell and my notes are complete gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> and occasionally there's a word in there, but mostly it's scribbles and um, nonsense and stuff. Um so it was, like I said, it was just an obstacle that I dealt with. And mm. now that, you know, um, I'm a night person <laughs> and most of my work occurs in the evening. I mean, quarantine has thrown everything off, but now it's like, you know, I can go to work and then I'm just a staircase away from my bed. so <laughs> quarantine has kind of been the dream yeah. for a narcoleptic entertainer. <laughs> um And just to uh, just to relate all of this to something even broader, um, you mentioned that I brought it up a few times, but there's a lot of things that come with living in public view that I wasn't necessarily prepared for and took a lot of getting used to. And I can say that to this day, mantras still really help me um, with kind of helping my reprogram my brain. (laughs) I always say mantras are like a little spell that you cast on yourself Hmm. because if you repeat something enough to yourself, your brain starts to like internalize that, that phrase. And then you start living it from, from the inside out, you know, (laughs) um, one mantra that has helped me a lot is I say to myself all the time, social media is an illusion (laughs) so if i'm getting into a rhetoric battle with a troll online and i'm starting to let it really affect me i start repeating to myself social media is an illusion like do not let this person this random stranger on the internet affect my real life you know (laughs) Um, and another mantra that helps me on the hard work days is drag is fierce and fun Um, And Peaches Christ says that to me anytime that I'm complaining about like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm shaving my face and doing my makeup again. I'm so tired. I want (laughs) to I want to take three weeks off and just sleep the whole time. And then Peaches will turn to me and say, imagine you were doing any other job right now. And now repeat to yourself drag is fierce and fun. (laughs) So those mantras have really helped me out in my adult life.
5: (laughs) That's brilliant. And I think it's so important to kind of recognize there are so many little things that we can do in our life that can make that big difference in terms of our overall well-being and and sense of self. So that sounds really good. You touched there on kind of quarantine and kind of the difference experience you've had with that, but, but kind of what what are you looking forward to next? You know, the yeah. the c word will hopefully be banned from our uh, <laughs> kind of lexicon in the very near future. But kind of what 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 is the future kind of bringing forward for you?
2: Well, I think um, what I'm really excited about post quarantine is I I have experienced now what it would be like to have a um, a better work life balance, and that's something I want to take forward. Um, I've, I've experienced what it's like to actually live at home for a while and it's fucking brilliant, you know, (laughs) (laughs) because I've been on tour consistently for eight years and a a typical year for me, I I always say it's about 80 to 80 to 85% spent on the road. You know, I spend very little time at home. But I actually love being home and I love getting to do the things that you can only do when you're home, like um, have pets and <laughs> and uh, take care of plants and cook for yourself and watch TV on your own couch and sleep in your own bed. And these are things that have greatly improved my my mood and my my mental health and my spiritual health and so i hope to find more time for living at home in the future that said i cannot wait to be in front of an audience again and if all goes according to plan you know if everyone continues wearing masks and taking it seriously and if um if anti vaxxers don't fucking ruin it for all the rest of us um <laughs> I um will hopefully be on tour again with um, um my next holiday show with ben de la Crem and then after that you know the world's my oyster uh, <laughs> but that show has become really really important to me um and and DeLa and I think that's uh, clear when <laughs> we couldn't go on tour because of uh, quarantine. Um, so we created a movie, which is available <laughs> on Jinx, uh, jinxanddela.com. Um, um And it's also available on Hulu, if anyone's listening in the States. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, you know, it's kind of become this like precious baby passion project between the two of us and i can't wait to do it again and i i come hell or high water we're going to give you another holiday experience because I think that's very important for the LGBTQ plus community to get to celebrate holidays, just like everyone else.
1: (laughs) Well, it it might be a bit redundant now, but I was going to ask you whether there's anything you wanted to promote.
2: (laughs) Well, you can you can watch that film year round. You know, Uh, you don't have to watch it at, at, at the holiday time um also major scales and i are um we're working on our next album this will be album number three and um we want to produce a, a, a high concept futuristic space rock opera
1: <laughs> that sounds amazing
2: <laughs> so we're working on that It still doesn't have a title yet, um, but uh, you know, uh, Space Rock Opera is is the direction we're going in. (laughs) Futuristic Space Rock Opera. Um, And as far as things to promote, I've got a Patreon you can subscribe to to see a lot of sketch comedy I've been working on with my new videographer, Liam Krug. Um, Subscribe to my YouTube channel to see the things I put there. Um, I'm constantly, you know, uh, keeping you abreast with everything I'm doing on Twitter and Instagram. So be sure you follow me both places and, and then everything else you could possibly want is at jinxmonsoon.com. So, um, we have some new merchandise. Um <laughs> we we've, we've got good witch and bad witch um apparel for you so you can buy one or the other or both <laughs> for your various moods day to day
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah <laughs> uh, Zaddy. now that your voice has recovered from last week, uh, do you have anything to promote?
4: <laughs> um. Well yes this, uh, same thing we promote every week Pinky, uh, we <laughs> have um, all of your LGBTQ merch at badwareday.com and we are launching the new brand Elite Drag on the 1st of June so that should be launching then with our cast of UK queens and kings and drag artists
1: but yeah that's pretty much everything from me <laughs> ah that's brilliant well thank you very much wait i should probably promote my own bloody crap shouldn't i yeah so naturally you can go to thevelvetsnatch.com and i've put a little uh, website up there now that looks suitably kitsch uh and you can see my youtube channel you get links to all of these girl uh, podcast episodes and my twitter and instagram and all of that nonsense uh but yeah thank you so much for being a guest jinx it's been wonderful speaking thank to you thank
2: you Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, no, but that's been absolutely brilliant. But uh, yeah, we should all just say goodbye now, shouldn't we? <laughs>
3: so. At least officially for the recording, we'll say. Yeah, thank you so much
4: for coming on, Jigs. I really, really it.
1: Thank you. It's you. been Welcome wonderful. Thanks so much. Okay. Uh, thank you, everyone, who's been listening today, and I hope you've enjoyed it. Have a lovely evening. Goodbye. Goodbye.
2: And one day we will have a name for this futuristic space opera.